Sales development continues to grow in importance as a critical component of a successful go-to-market strategy. And with the explosion of new tools, technology, and processes, the sales development industry itself is thriving, as seen with the growth of the 10-bound sales development market map over at 10bound.com. On this podcast, we'll dive deep and go beyond sales development to think about the future of technology, processes, and tools in the industry with our host, noted futurist, author, and sales development practitioner, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. Tune in each week and be sure to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and turn on notifications to never miss an episode. And now, Beyond Sales Development with your host, Justin Michael. Welcome back to Beyond Sales Development. I'm your intrepid host, Justin Michael, doing my best William Shatner impression. Today we have Denise Champagne, who is one of the leading experts on modern cold calling to C-level executives. My Canadian friend, Denise, welcome to the show. Thank you, Justin. A pleasure with you always. Thank you so much. So calling C-levels, I mean, we're in an era now where there's, you know, seven to 12 decision makers per company. It seems like everybody just wants to research an email. How are you making cold calls and who are the C-levels? Well, I'm not so much making phone calls as much as I used to. I'm coaching more, but when I do do some, I try to socialize a consensus. I try to create a, a team a situation being remote. Most people are likely to reach out to their own colleagues who are probably somewhat instrumental in the decision. And there is that grouping of ideas. So you have to be, how should I say, goodwilling with everyone. You got to be able to be relevant. And we can talk about relevance versus personalized, as you talked about earlier. So you got to be able to get around and establish relevance with each and every one of them, including the C-suite. I love that. So personalization versus relevance, how do we do it? There's a lot of controversy right now. Should we be personal? Should we be relevant? Do, Do we personalize by being relevant? It's really a question of like, does common connections or common interest work? Like what is working to attract the attention of prospects? What, what are you researching for? And what is the messaging that's going to help you get the meeting? I mean, interrupting them with a phone, you know, I believe in, because then you can hear live, but we're in an environment where we get a lot of voicemails and we do have to follow up with emails. We have to be really smart about what that message is going to be to get the fish to bite the hook. How do you do that personally? And how do you coach people? With uh, maturity, calm. Uh, If you're approaching them like everybody else, you'll get like everyone else. So you have to be calmer. You can't be, I just reached out a couple of times yesterday to C-Suite and they gave me the time of day because I didn't call them to pitch them. I didn't call them for a commercial conversation. I call them because I have something relevant that made it personalized. And because I'm not in a hurry, I'm into this for the long haul. My approach is not making a transaction but establishing a human connection and relevance. Of course, if you're a squash player, they're a squash player, or you're, you love skiing. You know, right now, what I do is try to coach salespeople to just establish, hey, how have you been? You know, just like real calm. And then persist in that mental stature, composure, posture, so that people will say, after 10 seconds, 12, 15, 20, they go, ah, I can trust this person. He's not you, the voice is so much more powerful. People super underestimate the power of their voice. I've, you know, I've been talking about this for a few years now. So, That's a really profound answer. Now, I know you weave in aspects of 
all sorts of disciplines into your call coaching. You seem to be a student of the mind, spirituality, philosophy. I'm not sure if you want to talk about that, but it's been something I've seen a lotus on your communications. I'm a big fan of, you know, presence and, and being present. We're in this world where we're getting alerts and blips and bleeps, and we're trying to do things over Zoom calls. And it's hard to know whether they're just doing email or watching your deck at all. So if you can get someone's attention and interact with them, you know, tell us about your background and how you weave that in, if it's a part of your teaching and what can folks learn? Yeah, well, I was a former pro squash and pro athlete in squash and racquetball. I was an elite master cyclist on track and road as a sprinter. I've always been very focused on performing. Where I lack is training myself to change the inner parts of my life because you can't really achieve highly successful sales over a long period of time if you haven't gone through personal transformation. And it happened to me 18 years ago when I went bankrupt and lost everything. And I realized I was, you know, sad and mad. And my voice exactly said that. <laughs> so that's where I had to kind of take a hard look at myself and say, okay, what do I need to change now? What needs to happen internally, not on the exterior? You can't seek enlightenment out of self. It's all an inner way. And it's obstacle is the way. Once you have that, you must rejoice and say, okay, I have heavy weights. I can't lift the weight. What do I need to do? Train the muscle, train your life, train your inner self-esteem. So I had to go down deep and dark in order for me to, okay, what do I need to do to be connecting with people uh, authentically and really appreciating who I am? It, I still do uh, to this day. Yesterday, it was a tough day for me. And I had to, you know, chant and pray as a Buddhist. I chant and pray and, you know, to transform a little bit every day. It's, it's, it's an ongoing struggle till the very last breath. Well, I love that you share that story of inspiration. Talk to us about the mindset. This job is hard. One of the easier things is just to program the sales engagement platforms and to write research emails, a little less invasive. If you're going to call people, you get rejection, not interested, or where'd you get my number? Or they just, they're honestly not very nice a lot of the time. So how do you stay fired up and motivated in this career of outbound sales under some of those emotional conditions? You know, I think people need mindset training to be able to deal we're in a tough time in the world right now. Prospects are in a bad mood. Let's put it that way. So it's tough if you're going into outbound right now. You can't meet them at an event. You can't break bread. And you got a lot of crabby people. So what do you do? Well, you got to reach them and meet them where they are, just like you, because you're probably in the same boat often. We're all in this game together. You know, we're on the pandemic has taught us how inseparable we are one from another. So that point of commonality, it's not that you want to talk shop through the pandemic issue. But we all have basic suffering. There are four basic sufferings, birth, death, and in between old age and sickening So and disease. So we're all going to go through that. We all have that point of commonality. And when you do, have done the work on yourself to appreciate who you really are, who you really, really are, that's the problem. Too many young SDRs and AEs are out there trying to wing it. You can't wing it in the long term. You're going to have to, you're going to hit the wall. You're going to have to look at yourself and say, what is important to me? You know, why am I doing this? Like, why are you in sales? I think a lot of young people who are in sales, they got in sales for all kinds of popular reasons, but they have to take a hard look and say, am I going, let's take on playing, you talked about powerlifting. You're powerlifting for what? To compete? Powerlifting for what reason? It stimulates your, you know, dopamine. And what is it that you're doing? For me, I do weightlifting because I want to be strong. I'm an older guy. I want to be physically very muscular for the rest of my life. No differently in my sales coaching and sales prospecting career. 
I need to still learn a lot. I've learned a lot from you, Justin. Believe me. I mean, you have to be a student. And the sage rejoices while the fool retreats as an obstacle. You have to be joyful of the obstacle. You're in an amazing growth phase in your career right now, Justin. You're going to explode. I, I want to be able to brag a few years from now and say, hey, I know Justin Michael. He gave me some time of day someday in the past. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for that. I'm inspired by different mentors from all over the world. I have a lot of respect for different generations. Most of the people I learn from are over 50. There's a lot of young people who are brilliant as well, but I think we need to research the past to understand the future. So a big way that I've found modern techniques is diving deep into classical, you know, almost like the canon of sales. Uh, some of the books from the 90s, the 2000s, some of the big prospecting systems like Miller Hyman or Spin from Neil Rackham are even more valid today because you use all this automation and then you're in front of a human and you have to know how to differentiate, create value prop, tell your story, get coaches to help you navigate. I mean, you need it more than ever. You have 12 people making decisions, not just like, you know, one authoritarian leader with a budget. It's got, everyone's got to be happy. It's like running a political campaign. Can you talk to me about your methodology, uh, what types of things you've read and have inspired you and how you're bringing the old and the new together in the 2020s in this virtual selling environment? Well, when I got, when I lost everything, 18, 19, 19 years ago now, you know, you have, you have to take a hard look at yourself. And in my case, my voice on the phone was just overbearing. That was just too much. So I had to really hard, take a hard look at my sad and mad situation and say, I'm pushing away people. If I want to attract them or I want to engage with them and have a real human to human connection, I've got to transform things that will make it attractive. I got to make myself attractive as a person and deeply care. So I had to start by caring about myself. You know, world peace begins with peace within yourself. You know, it's not, you know, fighting on you know, the outside. So it was a process. It's a process. It's a day-to-day, patient, compassionate process to yourself. I believe that, and I love the, the idea that you wrote a book on TQ, but I think where a lot of people are lacking is EQ, more than TQ. They're probably very, very TQ in some cases and less EQ, the ability to know self and to connect with another self, right? So I worked on my voice. I calmed down. I started looking at my career as okay, I'm not going to achieve all the results I can this year, but I'm looking the long run. And when you do that, you relax. When you relax, people respect and they connect. Yeah, you just seem so zen and calm with the approach, which I really love, which is really important when you're handling stressful situations. Give us some tips when you have an angry prospect on the phone or a difficult client situation. How do you diffuse objections, human emotion reaction? How can you be the calm person? What about people that are nervous on the phones now or they're nervous on handling upsets? Everything's fine, it's calm but a ship in safe harbor is not the purpose of a ship. So I'm sure you go through these tough negotiations when you're doing a consulting work. I know you're doing some big global consulting projects. You're also coaching people that are butting up against a lot of, you know, human emotion and reaction, and maybe they don't have tools to remain calm or to calm people down or to keep people on calls. I mean, what we're talking about is communication skills and conflict resolution skills almost because it's an interruption People, they get upset when they get interrupted or, you know, they really want to haggle uh, on the SaaS deal or, you know, they don't want to give you a meeting. This is the SDR podcast. A lot of what we're talking about is opening sales, but you could look at a first meeting as a function of closing, right? It's an initial commitment that you're going to talk. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're selling SaaS, I'm I'm not quite sure that selling SaaS is a one-time deal. You have to make several calls to that person, but if it's something that's commoditized, that can be, you know, I decided in a, in a 
two phone calls. Again, calm voice, slow down. If they're upset, it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. And at the same time, you have to take a responsible approach and say, it has everything to do with me. So what do I need to do to transform the current situation? I sell or I sell the idea of, hey, I'm a person that has relevance and I bring it up in the first 10 to 20 seconds. So my call, when I reach out to someone, if I can, let's say if we role play and you answer the call, I'll show you what I do. Go ahead. Ring, ring. Hey, who's there? Oh, Justin. Hi, uh, who's this? Justin Michael. That's me. Oh, hi, Justin. Justin, this is Denis from Lotus Communications. How have you been? Uh, pr pretty good. Just buried. So busy. What, what's yeah. this about? Well, and then I go into it, right? But at least I got your attention. I mentioned your name four times in that 12 seconds. I didn't even realize the, the multi-name mentioning. That's like a Dale Carnegie principle that I like. I noticed if I say the full name, if I get, right, if I said Denis Champagne, and you're like, it's champagne, but at least I try. If you try to pronounce your name, they even appreciate it. Even if you mispronounce it, sometimes on the front of a call, I'll just, I'll pronounce it wrong and then I'll ask how'd I do. And then I'll make the conversation about the name. And then they're talking about themselves and it's diffusing. What yeah. I want to do is to, just to establish that you're paying attention to what I'm saying, because a lot of times you don't even listen to the person's name that called you. So Justin, uh -huh. Justin, Michael, I'm double checking. It's you. Now you're off the computer and you're, your eyes are now looking at a stare spot so you can listen to the voice that's talking to you. And I say, oh, hi, Justin. Justin, it's Denis from Lotus Communications. How have you been? Real calm. They'll listen to that. Then I'll say, mm, can I trust this person? Okay. So what's this about? Well, thank, I know you're busy. I'll be brief. And I say, listen, issues around your particular business problems. And this is a parenthesis where I talk about really pertinent, relevant problems that I have preemptively studied, prepared. I know some of the stuff around your issues. I've checked out the newswire, trigger events, whatever. And then I bring it up and say, does this resonate at all with you at all? I'm just curious because we thought of you when we saw that. We, I thought of reaching out to you. And that's the way I approach. Very, very exploratory, more of a conversation. There's no finite particular uh, limit to this. It's ongoing. And I, we take it from there. It takes a lot of maturity to do that. It takes your ability to be ad, ad hoc and be able to improvise. And that you need to practice that. You know, you need to train like an athlete, like a tennis player has all kinds of his shots in his repertoire. Same thing. So these canned approaches doesn't work for me anymore. Let me ask you, these are great points, but calling the right people in the companies, calling the accounts you want to account and the prospects you want and the fear and getting through one, the inertia to make enough calls every day in a world where it's like, you don't need calls. Just use the emails, how encourage people, how to call C levels. Meaning we're going to go after the decision makers. We're going to find the right people. Generally reps know who they should call. Like we sell to CIOs, but they're going, well, I'll talk to VPs of engineering or I'll talk to VBIT. I'm not really ready to call the CIO. And you'd be amazed if a rep's job is to call CIOs, you'd be shocked how few CIOs they ever call because it's, it's dangerous in a way. It's like, it's that one person who can just freeze out the account. So I'll just call the lower level. How do you take younger folks and get them confident to go up to Vito, the very important top officer? Even if Vito is, you know, heart-centered and a selfless leader and a servant leader and trusts the consensus, at some point, you got to call the boss. You got to go all the way up and talk to the person who can sign this deal and who runs the team. There's still teams. We're not running holacracies, uh, RIP Tony Shea. So, so give some coaching here because I, I think it's a big miss in the industry. 
Well, you know, it's like playing tennis. When I was a squash pro, I started by learning the backhand, the forehand. There's some basics in everything. There's back to basics. So we practice. We'll practice the voice. We'll make sure that you're, you understand deeply and viscerally the business in which you're going to call. So you have at will in your mind what I call unlimited eloquence, where you have written down, documented the problems, all of the finite and infinite problems that may arise, the insights, the implications of those problems on a first or secondary or third level of the organization and the impact so that you know what these people have to face, what matters to them. And when you when you start from that vantage point and then we practice, we role play, I, I role play them. I mean, I do on the phone a lot of practice where they get bumped, they get, you know, you get corn on your hands when you're lifting a 400 pounds of a deadlift. You got to practice it, get the skin to be tough. No differently, a sales call reluctance is a big thing. Even advanced veteran salespeople like myself we go through those reluctance issues of if you stop doing it. So it's a kind of thing that you have to keep doing, just like wind sprints when you're a tennis pro or squash, where you got to do those sprints and intervals. You know, the, the road to the mountain is not paved with, with cement and it's electric. You got to go up the hill and you got to work. It's, it's work. If you don't like it, then don't get into sales. And that's why there's a disparaging of the profession. And there's a disparaging of the opera in your manifesto. You talk so well about it that the expectations are created, yet these people have no idea what it takes. They should spend more time on coaching and training their staff. They're the athletes of the business, the salespeople. They're the most important revenue generating agents of change. So I work with a lot of elite athletes as I've started to do training and I have a thousand people in my group. I have Ironman folks and triathlete folks and folks like you've done, you know, professional powerlifting or competed in sports. And they seem to know that like excellence is about the hard thing about hard things, right? To quote that book by Ben Horowitz. At the end of the day, you're not expecting to be great at powerlifting because it's easy to lift 400 pounds. You're expecting it's going to take you months and years and technique and diet to get to actually do this feat of strength. You know, it's, it's like Herculean truly from from greece when people go into sales it's sort of like i don't know if they take that elite athlete perspective i always say it's very easy to be good at sales very hard to be great it's very easy to be good at marketing very hard to be great and the difference there is the difference between making a base salary or making in some cases a million dollars in a year if you can become elite and great and i don't mean elitist i mean that you have cultivated a series of the will and the skill to be truly excellent at being a subject matter expert at your product, being able to technically demo it, being able to crack into large enterprises or key accounts and to build a consensus in a business case and take it right up to the C-suite and close the deal, being able to do that full cycle. And, and for SDRs, being able to predictably generate great meetings and quality opportunities where you become a, a cash register for the organization versus a cost center. So I, when I talk to you, your Zen approach and your mindset for me seems to come out of this, these disciplines that you've built in the sports world and transposing those on a business. What do we do with lazy sellers? How do they become more disciplined? I guess, should they play a sport? Like, how do you take a mind that's sort of all over the place and, and make it a focused laser? Is it, is it grit? What, what are the books? What are the techniques? Well, the books, you can read a book called Starting Strength to develop you know, the ability to do a, you know, a full squat or a full deadlift and learn to do tough things in life. If you're not used to doing things that are difficult, everything will be difficult. But if you learn to do all the things that are difficult, life will be easier. So if you go for the easy, life will be tough. If you go for the difficult, life will be easier. So it's a decision you have to make. And you have, 
you know, you have to encourage people. They can do it. If they decided, they could do it. Whether they make the decision, and you can't, you can't motivate and incentivize people if they're not willing to go through the motions on a day-to-day basis. It's a daily, life is daily life. Faith equals daily life. So it's daily, daily grind. I'm in that challenge right now. I'm getting back into after three, four weeks of not prospecting too much. I'm at that challenge right now. I personally am at exactly where you're saying, and I'll be honest with you. And I got to, you know, there's no secret discipline. It comes from the word disciple. You're the disciple of what? The disciple of excellence or the disciple of abandonment, of discouragement? So you read the right books, call some encouraging friends, be very careful who you hang around with and who you listen to. Uh, Seek the counsel, the encouragement, the support of people around you. I actually, my stepdaughter is going to get on the phone this this afternoon, late afternoon. She's a Buddhist as well, and she's in Bogota, Colombia. And, you know, she's like my daughter. So I need her encouragement and her love just to give me the expert. My wife is supporting me. You know, I'm seeking to read the books that I have. I'm going to continue reading Tony Hughes as a, you know, combo prospecting. I'll, you know, I'll chant and pray, you know, I'll help others. I'll focus on helping others. So that Monday I've blocked the nine to 1030 in the morning, and I'm going to get back to the phone and find the right prospects and continue the, the journey and connecting with people and bring relevance to my, and, and make it the Tuesday and not think about Wednesday or Thursday, just Monday. Like, yes, that's like being in the now and in the carpe diem and making each day count. That's been a huge way that I've done stuff is it's like a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Focus on this call, this hour, this approach, restart every minute of your life. And your and, friends, the people around you that care for you, uh, Justin. Well, you that's a key. For me, one of my secrets to sustaining outbound was curiosity. I just started to find it almost like a foreign film, like what are the stories like? Why? Why is this VP? What makes him or her tick? What? What? How does this business model work? Tell me more. I became genuinely interested in the prospects, life, business, work, mindset, and then I'm like, what can I learn on this call from this person? And it's, now it's less about this forceful prospecting call. Where I'm trying to get a meeting, and it's more like, okay, let me just be curious. Every human has value. That's a mistake. If you think like because they're not interested, not going to do the deal, that's a waste of time, and bang on to the next one. That's a machinist view. You have to find a way to take every call and find intrinsic value and the benefit with every interaction you have. And if this is huge for your value system, but that's what propelled me to not burn out was curiosity. That was my secret. Well, actually, yesterday I was successful with one executive and I reached out and he says, oh, he says, I know about uh, sales IQ. Yeah, yeah. I said, listen. I said, he says, I'm moving on to something. I said, oh, that's great. I said, fantastic. Congratulations. You're moving up in positions as well. Or, and I started talking about him and where he's going, what's happening. And, you know, at the beginning, he was reluctant. And then he saw and he sensed that I was just interested in him. And he gave me some more information. But he says, you know what? Reach out back to me when I'm in that new position. I said, when's a good time? Six months or a year? I always exaggerate. I want two months. So, you know, he says, no, in a couple of months when I'm kind of settled in, you know, you're on LinkedIn. I said, yeah. He says, send me an invitation. I'll connect with you, which I was about to do. Sent him an email on an overview of what I do. And he says, let's have a conversation then. He says, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to you now. I, I said, I appreciate that you're honest. I don't want to waste your time if I don't have to. And I said, listen, fantastic. Happy New Year. You know, it's like you win the war or you win the battle. Which one do you want to win? So, 
you know, my mentor says you can have a victory can be preceded by many, many, many small lost battles, or you can win a lot of battles and in the end win, lose the war. This is really profound. Where do you think sales is going? I mean, what, where do you see it going in the next two, three years? Uh, you know, and what's your advice to, to reps and managers? People listen to this podcast beyond sales development. It's, we're thinking about the stuff. You know, I love talking to you because it's like a return to fundamentals in a way. Is the deeper underpinnings, and that's why you're successful because you're coming from those principles. But where, like, when you visualize it, if you think in the next two years or five years, any when I talk to people who are in the sales space, I I read on your board platform on on WhatsApp, and I talk to the younger generations. They are bright. They're a brilliant young group of people. But the technology and the way they're the expectations of the owners are just not where it should be. I think there needs to be a rethinking of the economics of scope, not of scale, so that you know we customize our approaches. We look more to make less money in the profit till. Uh, the, the greed is, is still shadowing, but the machine to make big money for the successful, the SDR. The, if the SDR is not making that kind of good money for him or her, he won't want to aspire. It's got to be a ROI on that. Like they've got to be able to, you know, generate more money. It's just a lack of consideration for the the army soldiers. I haven't thought about it enough. Like where is it going? Where are sales going? I'm just focused on helping the people that I coach to the C-suite to make sure that they become more mature. That's what I think there's a lot of lacking maturity. And the pattern interrupt is really the key. I really like the pattern interrupt process. I was using it with before I met you and, and Tony Hughes. So it, yeah, you got to get their attention and retain their attention. And attention retention is the game. Well, we're almost to the half hour here. I love to finish the episode with uh, one personal quote that influences you every day, or it could be a philosophy or just something that inspires you because I want people to listen to the show. Uh, the, many, many times they are facing burnout. They've already made 50 calls and they're tired. And they're just trying to learn some tips to get on with their day. What, what would be one of your favorite quotes? It's the heart that's important. It's awesome. I love it. Well, Denis Champagne, my good friend, a part of Sales IQ Global and an amazing uh, trainer and coach. And uh, look him up online. Last question is, uh, where can people find you? Do you have a website that people should go to? Lotuscom.com, L-O-T-U-S-C-O-M-M.com. And at Sales IQ Global, uh, look me under the partner section. Awesome. Directly over there. Thank you for being on the show today, Denis, and have a lovely weekend. Thanks a lot. All the best, Justin. Thanks so much.